Welcome, and thank you for checking out my podcast. This is the Adam Messer Show, and I'm your host, Adam Messer. This podcast is all about uh, interviewing authors, artists, and entertainers, other creators, uh, creative folks, and it's also about uh, stuff that I like to share. I'm an author. Uh, I like to create things. I love talking to interesting people, and I just try to share stuff that's helped me. So thank you for listening. Hey, Travis. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, great. Hey, yeah. Uh, so uh, everybody uh, tuning into the podcast today, um, I'm using the Anchor FM um, app. So this is the first time using it. So Travis Gibb is my guest today. So everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in. Travis is uh, an independent uh, comic book creator, author, artist. And um, I was introduced to you by Beth Malone, and uh, so I saw your project, um, Planet. Uh, was it Ruby on Pl- uh, Planet Oz? Right? N- no, no, no. That's a friend of mine that I share. Broke down in four dead bodies is mine. Oh, okay, okay. So I got confused with the uh, the Facebook stuff. So, anyway, I'm really excited. I, I know you got your uh, your your goal funded, right? Yesterday. Yeah, yeah I got my folder. It was a couple days ago, but yeah, I got I got it funded. Uh, you know, two or three days ago, uh, I got it funded. Um, it was, uh, we're good. We were looking for 2,500. We got the 2,500. This is the second issue. Uh, okay. So, we so did the- can you take a second and, um, and, and just kind of tell everybody like just a little bit, cause I, I just met you and, um, you know, I'd like you to be able to tell everybody uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah. So, um, my name is Travis Gibb. Um, I created a comic book called broke down and four dead bodies. So it's kind of a Quentin Tarantino ish comic book. Two guys break down on the side of ro- side of the road. They got four dead bodies. They've got a case, and they've got mobsters and gangster uh, mobsters, different gangster groups. They have police after them. They have a biker gang after them. So there's lots of f words, lots of violence, lots of guns. It's it's a fun little little comic book. Okay, so it sounds like um like you said, Quentin Tarantino. It sounds like kind of like a not necessarily pulp fiction but like uh oh my gosh what <laughs> you got so much action going on a lot of uh yeah exactly a lot of brutality <laughs> yeah nobody i mean quentin tarantino isn't doing uh his crime stuff anymore he's doing westerns now so somebody had to had to do it uh so i, I yeah really created a comic you know uh it's based uh the story came up with uh there's a comic book called stray bullets and at the end of the first issue uh there was this guy who killed a whole bunch of people left him in a car and walked away and it never got resolved. And I, I was always fascinated by, you know, what would happen if you were, you did all these crime stuff and you broke down on the side of the road, how would you handle that? You know, you've done all these horrible things, but you're broke down and you have to deal with that circumstances. So I wrote a story about it. It's a four issue mini. We did great. The first Kickstarter launched in October. We raised $4,000. We, uh, and we sent it all out, got it out to everybody. We've gone to a whole bunch of conventions this last year. Uh, now issue two is done and we're just uh basically the kickstarter was to pre-order and order your copy oh nice um yeah i've i've uh, known some independent um creators over the years um one of my friends randy bishop he did the uh the hawk of new york and i've been following that since he started that and so it's pretty cool what got you what got you into um creating uh comics were you like were you like a little comic book nerd like me growing up Oh yeah, yeah. I've been in comics uh, my whole life. I mean, my my comic budget every week is thirty dollars with a huge discount. I get a sixty percent discount because I've been around for so long. Oh wow! Uh, so I get a lot of comics. I almost get everything. 
Um, so I've been reading comics my whole life. Um, I originally went into film. I wanted to create films and do that, but then I had a daughter and the, you know, taking films take a lot of time. You know, yeah. when you're, when you're a writer of comics or an author, you kind of write your thing and then, you know, people edit it and do your stuff, but it, it, there's a lot more processes when it comes to film. So I like that process. So I started writing this comic. I wrote my first comic in 2003. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I've been doing it for a while, but this is my first mini series. Um, you know, you know, something I love about um, the world of publishing now is so accessible to people. Um, even back in 2003, I imagine it was a lot harder then than it is today to actually put something out there and get it in front of people. Oh, yeah, yeah. So back in 2003, what you would do is you would find an artist, find a writer, do it, print it all yourself, and then you would go to convention to convention and hope someone recognizes it. That was it. Now yeah. I've got Kickstarter. They can help me fund it. I can still do the convention thing. I can, I can self-publish and, and make a little bit of money if I wanted to. Um, I, I printed a whole bunch of, I print a huge print run. So I sent, print like a thousand. So every oh, guy no. goes to everything, but you know, if I wanted to, I could only print, you know, what people ordered and, you know, print a couple hundred and I could make money, which is really cool that I could make money as an artist. But my goal is bigger than that. I want to work for bigger companies. I've been blessed. I've only been back doing this for a while. And I have two other books besides broke down that came out. I have a trade that's, that's in the works that funded, uh, for 6,000. So I've been doing really well. And Kickstarter is a great avenue to do that. Yeah. That is, let's talk a little bit about uh, Kickstarter because there, there are campaigns out there where people, you know, there's been some horror stories about Kickstarter. Uh, there's been a lot of success stories about Kickstarter and, and not just Kickstarter, but you know, the, like the uh, indie funding uh, things or whatever. So what was it like for you to kind of just say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there to help with the cost of, you know, printing and that kind of thing. And then how did you take it from being like an idea to making it a successful campaign? Uh, well, I, so I took a class uh, called Comics Tribe. They do a, what's called Comics Launch and it kind of shows you how to do it. Comics, it's called Comics what? Comics Launch, uh, Comics with an X Launch. Oh, okay. okay. By Tyler James. Uh, so I took that. Um, and you may not know this, but comics actually have a bigger success rate than any other thing on Kickstarter. It's the oh, only I didn't one, know that. Yeah, it, it has a bigger success rate. So they have a built-in kind of audience, which is great. But, you know, to prevent those things that, that, like you said, where people screwed people over, I wanted the book done. So I showed people the book, you know, I sent people the book that it was completely done before I ever put it out there. So you actually had the product ready to go, not just uh, concept art and stuff. Correct. Yeah. So I could send someone a PDF. So anybody who did an interview with me, I sent them the PDF, let them know, hey, this is done. You know, so. yeah, that's uh, that was something like when um, when we got in touch with each other. I think it was just yesterday or whatever. Um, I I've been writing for the uh, the newspaper local here for a while, and I get a chance to you know do advanced reader copies sometimes and stuff or whatever. But uh, I've been reading comics, um, you know, as a kid and growing up, and then as an adult, I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not an avid comic book reader now, uh, just because I don't. I don't have a chance to run down to the comic book store, but every once in a while there'll be an issue or something like that. That'll pop up and they'll say, Oh yeah. You know, like uh, when action uh, comics uh, 1000 came out or whatever with Superman, you know, I wanted to run down and get a copy of that. And you know, there's some X-Men stuff that I really still like, but the, uh, be honest with it. Most of the comics that I bought the last three or four years probably have been uh, indie comic book creators because they're telling something that's new. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of 
garbage out there, <laughs> but there's a lot of cool stuff out there that they're, you know, they're not just rehashing the same story over and over and over again, you know, or, uh, or they're putting out new characters, you know, putting out original new characters instead of rebranding a character. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, there's a big, most people do indie comic books at some point felt like, Hey, there was a niche and they wanted to fill that niche. You know, uh, yeah. a lot of the indie comics is uh, pitching towards minorities, you know, whether there be black superheroes or Hispanic superheroes or Haitian or the gay and lesbian uh, communities. So they try to make it to, to places that they feel are void in the comic industry. Um, yeah. But they also tell unique stories, uh, you know, and things that are, that are different like mine. Crime, there is crime comic books out there, but they're few and far between, which is real shame because when comics started, it was really crime and horror. That's where right, it came right, from. right. Um, There's a lot of that back in the day. I mean, I love the um, the uh, what was it? The Tales from the Crypt was one of them I yeah. liked. Um, you know, now, now that was kind of pre pre my day because I I was born in '76, so I was reading comics probably in nine. I think I'll be honest with you, the first one that I ever read was the. Um, Incredible Hulk, uh, I think it was 334, the one with the um, X-Factor crossover. Okay. And it was actually a Todd McFarlane. He didn't draw the cover. That I, I don't think he drew the cover, but he drew the inside of the book. And I just fell in love with uh, the Gray Hulk and X-Factor. And, you know, and then my friend introduced me to the X-Men. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. So I was, you know, I was hooked on it after that. And um, But that, that is something I like about the indie comics. Like my friend's uh, – hawk of new york you know it's it's something that's different uh it's kind of gritty you know and it's entertaining yeah it's we're in such a great time in this world where we can create comics and we can get them out and we get them printed at a relatively low cost you know and get them stuff and even if you couldn't afford to print it you know i can go digital there's webtoons and there's all these places that if i just want to create art i have the opportunity to do that and get the stuff and the same thing as a book publisher i i know you're you're an author you know, you can go onto Amazon and get yourself through CreateSpace or, or uh, Kindle, Kindle Direct or Amazon Direct right now, where you can literally put your book onto Amazon, which is so cool, man. You can That's how I publish my book, too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can be in the top, you know, selling place that sells books in the world right now just by a, a click of a few buttons if you create it. So we're now, that, that, talking about that, Travis, it's so crazy that you say that because there are um, there's a million different indie authors out there, um, and I, I I'm not gonna say it's easy. It's not easy, but if you put the work in, you know, even if you're not a top seller, it's really cool to have a copy of your own book. I mean, I'm sure with you, I mean, don't you love that feeling of being able to see your comic book in hand? Like, hey, man, I did this, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my whole goal in life, you know, when I decided I want to be a creative person is like, I want to sell something to someone who doesn't know me. And mm. when I looked at the people who ordered my book from Australia in United Kingdoms in China that I had to send comics out who were interested in my story, that is so cool to me. You know, and that's what's great about Kickstarter. You know, we've switched to marketing. Uh, you know, my, so my primary day job is I'm a, I'm a marketing, I run a web marketing company. Oh, perfect. Um, so, so as marketing, we do all these things to try to trick consumers. You know, we, I spend so much time giving you ads and telling you you like something. I show you, just yesterday, I watched a show called Bless This Mess. Um, had no interest in it, but I saw so many ads that right. I eventually had to check it out. And that's what we do. But there's one thing that marketers cannot take away from, and that's a launch. 
take iPhones, for example. I'm using an iPhone right now. iPhone doesn't need to do a launch. They could just come out tomorrow with a new iPhone and it would sell just as good. But you know what? They can triple that number by making you line up and say, get excited about this thing that's coming up. And that's what Kickstarter's done. Uh, yeah. Is they do these launches. And, and it's what indie publishers need to do too. The people who don't succeed as an indie writer, the reason why you don't succeed or you don't see the growth that you want is you didn't make your book an event. You just said, hey, I have my new book on Amazon. So right. it up. No, you didn't go five days, it's coming out. Four days, it's coming out. Make it so it's something that someone realizes that they're, they're excited about. They want to get it, you know? Yeah, building up that excitement or whatever. And that, I think that um, a lot of indie authors that I've, I've talked to and interviewed, um, they're introverts. And right. a lot of them don't like sales and they don't like marketing and they don't understand that, like, that's part of the consumer process that we have. Um, it's, it's, it's almost like the better mousetrap, you know, if, if you build a better mousetrap, but nobody knows about it, nobody's going to buy it, you know? Right. Yeah, it, exactly. So it's building your brand and trying to find a niche and knowing who your audience is, right? Your, your book is not for everyone, regardless of what you say. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, well, this book's for everybody. No, you want to sell it to everybody. It's not really made for everybody. You know? <laughs> I had people, you know, it's kind of weird, but uh, talking about that, I've had people that um, will refer me to someone like, you know, I was referred to you for my podcast um, and I'm booked up for the uh, the radio show. But I was like, man, I really like what you're doing. And I wanted to try to get you on the show because my the next month and a half of the radio show is booked up. And I was like, you know what? I can still do the same thing with the podcast with you and do an interview and be able to put it out there, especially with the timing. I mean, you just funded your, your Kickstarter. You know, I, I, w- I wouldn't want to wait two months to talk with you about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it is, it's all about that. Yeah. I've got, you know, 15 more, uh, I think it's 19 more days to, to fund. So I still have time for people to invest and, and buy a couple of copies. Of the exactly. You're more than welcome to be part of it. Um, and we want people, you know, I want to get excitement. I want you to want to, to get my book. You know, I sell lots of variant covers. You know, that's a comic thing, right? We have the cover A and cover B and these special covers. And the reason why we do those is collectors. But as a Kickstarter person, you know, I have to do those to help offset my costs, right? I need someone who wants to invest in me at any level. Whether or not they want to invest in me for five dollars for a standard book, copies that um, that they sell, that they get the the uh, artist to do, you know, like special cover art, just like a one a one off, you know, like hey, this is I'm the only person in the world that has this particular cover done by this artist. Yeah, yeah, we have that. I have a I have a bag for a hundred dollars, and you get a, a a limited edition sketch cover that was done by a, a famous artist. I saw. Um, I was looking at your Facebook uh, real quick, and I saw um, you had a photo on there from John Beatty. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I present him too, and he's he's a super nice guy. And uh, you know, I remember when I met him, I, I fanboyed so hard for <laughs> meeting him because I was like, dude, you know, this is Secret Wars. So it's like, oh my god, this guy, you know, like he's the one that created the black suit. You know, part of the team that did that, and. Uh, such a nice guy, man. Um, I think that's one of the cool things I love about uh, talking with different indies is that you meet a lot of cool people. Um, yeah, there, there's a great indie community. Um, they're very, very supportive. You know, I couldn't do the half the funding that I want without the indie community. Um, you know, they all back each other. Just you mentioning Ruby. The reason why you saw that and you got confused is I'm promoting Ruby just as much as my own book because yeah. I like that guy. I like his work. 
That's uh, yeah, actually, I thought that that was your comic. And then I saw the other one because it's like your cover or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But I didn't I, I didn't realize it. But yeah, that's cool. So um, th- this show, uh, Travis, what I do is I, I pick people's brains about their process and stuff like that. Right. Okay. So here I want I kind of want to dig back into that marketing part. Because I think that's an issue that a lot of people are weak um, and they need help with. Um, I know you said that you took that course about comics and um, you do marketing. That's your day job. That's your day gig. So you understand like how to push the product to people and, and get them excited about it. And sometimes, I mean, no matter how hard you work at it, it's not going to work. I mean, we see advertising campaigns out there all the time that are a flop, but what do you think as a, a I mean, what, what do you see that, let's just say somebody's brand new to being an indie. They want to, they've got an idea for, you know, a picture, uh, uh, not a picture book, but a comic book or whatever. And, or they've got an idea for, let's say a mini series, you know, it really, you could apply it to anything right. that you want out there. But what would you say to someone who's, who's completely green? They're, they're completely raw. Um, they've got an idea and they're going to get, you know, we're not talking about the nuts and bolts of actually putting it together, but we're talking about like, okay, now I've got a product. What do I do with it? What, so what do you think? so the, there's a few key steps that I, I would tell them. So the first thing I would tell them is find, you know, your niche market and your fan base now. So if they're writing crime, find a crime uh, neighborhood. If they're writing superheroes, find a superhero group. There's groups for all these subcultures. Find them and start investing in that group. Because people don't invest in things. You can't show up into a random group on Facebook or you know, Reddit or any of these things and just go, hey, buy my thing. No one's going to buy your thing. Link is the worst thing you can do, right? Right. Uh, they're called dead links and you're not going to, it's not going to work. So you've got to invest in that community. Um, the second community, you mean like engage in conversations, actively participate, maybe share things with it, right? Yeah, exactly. You build, you share, act, ask questions, you know, don't pretend you know the answers. You know, everyone wants to help somebody, you know, yeah. everyone feels good helping somebody else. I agree with you. I think that, that, um, especially getting involved in a community because I have like a little indie author um, group on Facebook that I started. And, you know, I don't mind if people share their stuff because I want to help my friends, you know, and say, Hey, whatever. And I want to help other indies, you know, and I'm, and I'm okay with them sharing a link, but I, I had a couple of people that all they would do is spam the channel with the link. And I'm like, you're not doing anything by spamming the channel. Nobody is going to pick up your book just because you put the link out there a million times. You know, you're not even, uh, you know, talking with any or, you know, having a conversation with anybody. Yeah. So it's just like you said, it's a dead link. And I mean, we all know, I I think, I don't think anybody likes being sold. I think everybody likes to buy, but nobody likes being sold. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. The second thing is start building your, once you start building a fan base, however you decide to do that, make sure you cater to them on some level. So if you're an author, give them, you know, sample chapters before everybody else. Or if you're a comic book writer, that's where you create these alt covers so you can make sure that they can get something special. Because these people want to invest in you and you are dictating how much they can invest in you. So let's say you're a novelist for the sake of conversation. Your novel costs 10 bucks. That's just what it costs. But you know what? You can come up with a version that has an extra chapter or has a different cover and you can charge 20 for that. 
you'd be surprised how many people want to invest that 20. And especially when you talk into the comic realm, that's a big thing in comics, alternate coverage. So allow someone to choose their investment into you. And that was hard for me, right? I didn't realize that someone would want to invest into me $250. And I've had that done now five times. You know? Um, at the end of my campaign, my first campaign, I had a guy in Israel invest $500 into Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies. He just wanted some original art. He wanted to make his own custom thing. He just was interested in investing. So one of those mistakes that we make is we decide that our stuff is only worth something because we're not there yet. Let let our fans decide that, not us. Now, you know, I'm glad that you said that because I think confidence is an issue that a lot of indies have too, no. uh, being believing in themselves because, you know, uh, I've heard this, I think from Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, a couple other people have said it, but it's a common thing. If your product is good, the market will support it. <clears throat> if you have a good thing, people are going to want to be part of it. And, uh, I, I love that fact because what, how did that feel like when the guy was like, Hey man, I want, you know, I, I really love what you're doing. You know, 500 bucks, that's kind of a big chunk of change to put down on the, oh, you know, yeah. con- it was intimidating, especially as you said, you know, one of the things you started with Kickstarter being as risky as it is sometimes, you know, some guy willing who I don't even know from Israel wants to invest $500 into my comic. I mean, that's, that's mind blowing. You know, he wants to get some original art. That means he believes in the project. You know, that means so much to me that I can be part of that, that I can give back to him, you know, on, and do that. That's, it's, it's really so cool. And it's my job. You know, stuff. So when you do like a Kickstarter or any of these things, the first one's always your friends, right? Your friends want to invest in you. They want to buy your thing. But then that second book, then they don't come back. Well, it's your job in between that first one, the second one to build a fan base because they're not going to come back the second one. And some will, but I can't expect a lot of my friends on the first book, you know, invested 40 or $50. And I didn't see them come back to the second one. And that's okay because I spent my time building my second, my fan base to make sure that I can compensate for that. So my friends helped me get, get ahead. And now I have to carry the torch, you know? Now that that's, I'm glad that you said that because that I think is, is a difficult process because building up, you know, letting people know what you're going to do. You're going to have friends and family that are going to support you right off the bat, like you said. Um, And then like you said earlier about connecting with someone who doesn't even know you selling your book to someone who doesn't even know you. So that guy from Israel, that's a great example, but, bridging that gap i mean that to me is is one of the harder things it's like okay you know how how am i gonna how am i gonna connect with folks that i don't even know how am i gonna send this out there to people that you know i have no idea so does that does that help when you you go to those communities and start investing in those communities and you know and, and not not to sound cheesy but how do you even put it out there like in those communities that hey you know i'm working on this project or whatever without sounding you know salesy well most of the time i talk about their projects i don't even talk about my project you know they know what my project is and they're going to ask me questions and if there's a way to bring my project up i will but a lot of times i talk about their project and what i can do i look for holes that they may have so that i can help them um uh, okay. And then yeah. I, I build an email list. Email lists are, are, you know, a lot of people hate email lists. Um, even as a marketer, like if, if you came to me as my marketing company, my first response is not email lists. But when you talk yeah. about authors and writers, it's a completely different ball game Because you have to remember, when you, someone is looking at their email, they are, their wallet is as close to being open as possible. When you're on Facebook, 
your wallet isn't open because you're on Facebook. You're looking for your friends and what they're doing. But when you're checking your email, that's where your bills are sent. All your bills are done electronically. You're looking at them. You're taking your credit card out. So when you ask for a sale via email, you have a better result, you know, for a product. And people don't like email lists because they're like, oh, I never check my email. Yeah, but the people who do are the people who buy. Most of my backers come from my email list, believe it or not, even though it's old and old-fashioned. You know, I'm glad that you said that because um, I have a small email list for my author stuff. I have a bigger email list for when I did the um, the Savannah Quill Convention, which was a, an author literary convention. But I'm starting up a new um, a new convention called Savannah Game Con. So I definitely would love for you to come up because I think you're in Florida, right? Yeah. Okay. So we're looking at doing it like next year. I'm, I'm talking with the, the hotel um, – staff this week about booking the 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 venue or whatever but it's going to be a tabletop gaming convention and what i found was that people who are readers they will read emails um it's trying to get to those folks who are not really readers and you know so i've I've kind of figured out like that's not you know they're not going to be you know my niche or whatever but with the game thing what i've noticed is that tabletop gamers comic book readers readers you know people that like to read fictional books um they will read they'll read an email and they'll check out you know like your facebook page for blog you know mm-hmm. posts like that and i love connecting with uh with folks like that because i don't i don't look at it as like okay well you know here's here's blah blah blah, blah and i'm building up this these numbers because the numbers don't matter if you've got a, a ten thousand email list and you only have five people reading it and maybe one person buys something every once in a while. I mean, to me, it's like the, the email list isn't even, you know, for that. It's, it's to try to connect with people and let them know, hey, this is what I'm doing. So I love the fact that you're talking about, you know, building that up because I agree with you. People that are readers, they, they will read the email and they like your stuff. They're more than likely to say, hey, I'm going to support this guy's project or whatever. Yeah, well, you know, what people do is, you know, they hear that, oh, email lists work, cool. So what they do is they do a contest and they get a whole bunch of people on their email list, but they don't oh, yeah. build that relationship with them. They just started spamming them. You've got to build this organically over time. So my email list is from people who decided to sign up. You know, I gave them a copy of the book or I gave them a preview and then I've invested in them and I've sent them emails on months that I don't have a book coming out and just said, hey, here's what we're working on. Here's some art. Here's a couple of pages. So I've built their community and I've got them invested. And I, and I, when I ask for the sale, they're more willing, you know, and you go to, you know, when you talk about gaming, especially if you go in the realm of mini uh, miniature gaming or like magic, the gathering card games, these people go online and spend hours and hours figuring out the best strategies to beat their opponents. So they're going to read whatever you send them because they want to learn how to, how to be better at your game. Because there's nothing worse. I, I'm a gamer myself. There's nothing worse than showing up and getting beat every time. It's oh, not yeah. fun. And even though you may like the game, if it's not fun if you just keep be- getting beat. That's why video games are getting easier and easier. Because they found the more people just get destroyed, like the less fun it is. Like let's let's build something so you can win and get achievements. Oh yeah, and they um, talking about that. Uh, they address the you know well they're trying to address the toxic gaming community. Uh, but there's something about tabletop gaming that I love um, about that it, it, sitting across from somebody face to face. Yeah, they're less likely to make a nasty comment to you than if they are online. And um, 
I've never really had a bad experience with tabletop gaming. I mean, I, I tried to get into Magic uh, the Gathering. I couldn't really, you know, I, I just didn't have the time to spend learning all of the card details and how right. it works with other sets and things like that. But Hearthstone, which is kind of like a knockoff, you know, Blizzard makes, it's an easy game for me to play and have fun with. And their chat is basically, you know, like five or six little emoticons, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can you can message people, um, and you can do. Well, when you talk tabletop gaming, are you talking you know like role playing games? Are you talking miniature games? Are you talking board games? What are you talking? Okay, so there was a, a group called GnomeCon um, that was here. They did tabletop gaming. They did a tabletop gaming convention, and they shut it. It was like seven years that they did it, and they shut it down last year. And I was a volunteer for like five years, helping them out with like media stuff and photos and writing articles and that kind of thing. And um, so they had um, when when I say tabletop gaming, it, it spans that realm. So like miniature gaming, uh, RPGs, magic, you know, even the little pickup games like Flux and you know uh, Munchkin and stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff where you sit down and you play with people. Um, that's that's what I'm going to be doing with the uh, Savannah Game Con. Okay. So it's it's going to be that, and then having indie authors and artists. Um, and some other vendors and then some entertainment and stuff like that. And, you know, but it's, that's the kind of thing, you know, getting out there and connecting with people, all these folks is kind of crazy. Cause I just started doing it. Um, I asked, I talked to Heidi Schweer and, uh, you know, who's the one that, that Gnomecom was her baby. And I was like, Hey, you know, I know that y'all aren't going to be doing this anymore. I would like to do a convention. I'd like to get your blessings, you know, because these are, these are my friends too, you know, and I'd, I'd like to hang out with these folks and, you know, do something like that again. And uh, it's been amazing the amount of support of folks coming together to wanting to do it. And that, I think, I think when you said building a relationship, that's exactly how I approach stuff. Trying to build a relationship, you know, I don't, I don't look at transactions. I like to look at relationships because transactions to me are secondary. You might be able to, you know, you might be able to sell somebody on something one time, you know, they might give it a try, but like you said, you know, your friends and family, they supported the first one because they're like, Oh, you know, I love what Travis is doing. Let me show them some love, you know, but if they're not really into your project, that second come around they're they're gonna be like, Oh, you know, I, I gave them money the last time. I'm not going to do it again. You know, but if they love your project and they were like, Oh, you know, I really like it. They're going to be, you know, one of your first supporters, you know? So I, I just like I like that you said that about you know building relationships with people because this the, we're we're inundated with consumer um, materialism all the time. Right. But one of the things I love about indie publishing and writing is you got somebody out here who's putting their heart and soul into something, their blood, sweat, and tears, and you know they're putting this out there to the world. It's like here's part of my soul, everybody. Look at it. Right. <laughs> And it's not easy. It is not easy to put something out there. I mean, like, I, I'll give you an example. My first novel that I wrote, um, it is still sitting in first draft mode because I sent it to a, a friend of mine, and the friend, um, he read it, and he told me, he's like, you know, I just, I don't really like it. And uh, this is before, this is when I first started kind of getting into indie sure. writing. And it just it sat there. And then when I sent out my novella, Last uh, last year, I put up my first novella uh, for the Savannah Vampire novel series, and uh, he read it, and he didn't like it. But I had other folks that read it, and they just loved it to death. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe uh, 
you're going to have people that are your friends, but this is not their thing. Right. right? So, and I, I guess with that, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that um, as an indie, um, pretty much you're an indie publisher. Yeah, you know? Well, it's, it's the hardest thing, right? Because especially when people you hang out with, if they don't like what you're doing, it's really, it's, it breaks your heart, right? Because you're like, you hang out with me on a regular basis, and if you don't like it, like I think you'd be my target market. But but the difference is that those people they see um, they see a different side of you, especially if you get to role play with them, or they see the way you speak or or articulate yourself. Right. They've got that, and the awesome thing is, a lot of your friends can be jealous very quickly that you're doing it because a, a lot of people say they want to write. But not a lot of people pick up the pen and do it. You know, I'm so glad that you said that. I want to talk about that, but um, keep going on real quick. Yeah. So when you when you get those negative reviews or the stuff, just just allow it to roll off. It, I, I think someone who's never who doesn't know me at all giving me feedback is far more beneficial because it's it's not going to be tainted. They don't care about our relationship. Right? They don't care if it ends or or continues. They don't care. Well, they have no, they have no connection, right? Right. So their, their feedback is going to be raw and honest. So t- talk about jealousy. Uh, humans are crazy people, right? So um, I had a guy that I work with and um, he was giving me a lot of flack around the same time that I, I published my novella. I mean, just give me a hard time at work. And, um, and one night he sent me a text message like two, two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, you know, saying, Hey man, I'm sorry. I'm gonna give you a hard time. You know, I've always considered myself to be a writer. He actually read, he actually read my novella and he was like, you know, you got a really good story there. He was like, you know, I, I have always wanted to put out my own book and you know, it, I couldn't understand why the guy was giving me a hard time at work until he sent me this message. And then I was like, dude, I will help you. If you want to write a book, I will help you with the indie publishing. I'll help you get your book out there because, you know, it was like, Oh my gosh, I, I never thought about someone being jealous of me putting out a book. And it's not like, you know, I'm a, a best writer, author, number one New York times seller or anything like that. Right. You know, I'm just putting out an indie book on Amazon. You know? Well, I think everybody has, you know, their their ideas and they think their ideas are the greatest, but it's the people, there's very few people who actually try to go that next level or they tried it and nothing happened with it, you know? Um, so that's a very frustrating thing. I know a lady who makes $300 a month and she all she writes is trashy romance novels and she hates them. But you know what? Amazon buys them and she makes an extra $300 of income. So it's it's... And, you know, I was, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Well, I wish I could make $300, you know, but I look at how many books I've sold, you know, I sold, I've sold almost 500, 500 comic books. So, far. Wow. you know, wow. it's really, really cool. And I've only done this since October. Um, so it's, it's building that and showing that you can do it. Since I did my Kickstarter, I actually ran a poetry book Kickstarter for a friend of mine. We got his thing. Prior to that, he had written books, but he'd only got $100 from his books. That that book launch got him $600. So because, again, it was a launch and it was people got excited about it and they invested in, in it because people wanted to invest in my friend. He just didn't know how to present that properly because there's a difference between um, going, hey, buying it on Amazon and no one knows that, that you bought whether or not you bought it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, you know, except for the money that came in or seeing the backer number on Kickstarter, right? I'm like at 110 backers right now. I know every one of their names and who they are. 
know, I think people want to see some kind of uh, credibility before yeah. they jump down. I mean, you're going to have the, the first early adapters, right? They'll be like, oh, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to jump on it. But I think a lot of people, they're skeptic, you know, they're skeptical about it. And they're like, oh, you know, it looks okay, but I don't know if I want to put $20 down. Right. You know, but if they see 110 backers, they're like, oh, wow, it's already funded. I know I'm going to get the comic. I'm not going to get, you know, shifted on it. Um, I think they're more unlikely to, to say, hey, I'll, you know, I'll put that 20 bucks down to get a copy. Yeah, I, and I like it, you know, especially, you know, what's great about being an author where you guys have a huge advantage is it's when you write a book, it's done, right? My comic issue one, you know, it's not done. You know that there's an issue two. There's an three, or there's a mini series, or you're gonna wait to the trade if you know what comics are. So right. you know when you, you have a huge edge for that, writing a novel. Just to clarify for people, a trade is like a a compilation of the. So if you had six comics or whatever, a trade paperback would be where they put all six comics together in one book, and usually they either do it in color or they might do it in black and white, folks. Um, but they they call it a trade. Um, it's a trade paperback or whatever. It's pretty much yeah. Or a graphic novel is probably yeah, the more modern term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so people wait for those things and get excited about those things. And so you've got to, you've got to handle all these oppositions when you do, especially comics and explain, well, yeah, it's not there, but I need your backing now because I'm never going to get to that trade if I don't get these issues. And for me, I remember you're an author. So you said you're an author, you wrote your novella. So you have you, and then hopefully you had an editor, right? Um, so you got two people who are involved you know, maybe a cover artist is a third. When you do a comic, I have to have someone do every page of art because I'm not an artist. Then I have to have an inker go over that. Then I have to have a colorist. Then I got to have a letterer, you know, and then a guy who formats it all. Like there's a lot of, of irons in the fire when it comes to a comic. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what I was saying about being a publisher because really um, you're, you're pretty much doing it as a small publishing house. Yeah. You have to organize and, and have everybody, you know, especially with deadlines and, and I'll, I'll put this out there. There are some really good uh, creative people who are good with deadlines. And then there's some folks out there that they are not good with deadlines. Um, so how do you well, keep people on their, on their target for your deadlines? Uh, it's, it's hard. It's, it really is. You know, I'm very blessed with my artists being really good, but I have a, uh, my colorist has cancer. So sometimes oh, he uh, goes to chemotherapy and he can't work for two weeks. And, and that's not there's nothing you can control and I could let him go or I could work with him. But it, these are things that you have to deal with. And you got to remember that this is all a hobby for all of us right now. Right. Like in the end of thing, these are all hobbies. So you've got to be sympathetic, but you also have to know that every time you can't produce that next thing, you're going to lose an audience, you know? Yeah. Cause people are willing to wait a little bit, but not too long. Yeah. I mean, I guarantee you, you know, you'll see a huge jump for the next game of Thrones book. But when he comes out with the book after that, you're going to see a drop again because you've watched the TV show. You have an idea of what it sounds, feels like. You've, you've already made your decisions on these things. So those things go away, you know, um, if you wait too long. Uh, you know, talking about that, um, one of the things I see with the comic book industry is that they relaunched the number one issue over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think that's because of that lack of interest. People want to get that number one issue or whatever, or they're like, you know, they might be following a storyline, you know, um, and the miniseries has been really cool. They've had that for a long time. And, you know, they used to do like the four issues and, you know, six issues and whatever. But um, 
I noticed that they they'll do like when they first came out with those uh, those alternate covers. I was like, yeah. what? This is, I mean, they never had that before. And uh, they started coming out with it, and they had the little you know indie cover. So there's a lot of little gimmicks that they do to perk that interest. Um, what what's some of the stuff that you do with yours to kind of keep that interest going? Like I think you said in between, uh, like if you have a book coming out or whatever, you send a message out with some art or some like yeah. maybe like a preview or whatever. What's some of the stuff that you do? Um, so yeah, so uh, th- th- thanks for asking that. So I did a couple of things. So the first thing I did after my launch, I came out with another edition of the book in black and white. So crime huh. is a black and white comic. So I did it without the color. Like noir style. Yeah, noir style because that's a crime thing. People really like that. So that worked out really well. I uh, published four pi- because I had to wait for my art to get done. There was a uh, an opportunity came up to be part of it, an anthology where I could submit a four page story and it could be in my universe. So I wrote a four page story in that and that allowed me to produce that and get people, you know, uh, that in between that and my next launch. So that's what I kind of do is kind of build it up as I I do things. So I'm always moving forward and showing people art and and doing little signings and conventions. You know, I'm at almost every convention in Florida. You know, my next big one is Megacon. I got free comic book day this Saturday. Yeah, I want to give a shout out because this Saturday is free comic book day. And uh, you're, where are you going to be this Saturday? So this, this Saturday, I'm going to be at Famous Faces and Funnies. Um, I will be tabling there, but I don't have a signed thing because I'm going as a fan, man. Oh, wow. This, this is a great opportunity for me. Um, a lot of these comic stores give sketches. So they get famous people who work for Marvel and DC to do free sketches. So I'm going to go with my broke down comic books and I'm going to have them do free sketches on the cover. Not oh, for Travis, but to help sell on future Kickstarters, right? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, that I love, I love indie art. Um, talking about that, <laughs> this is just kind of like a sidebar, but when you go to these conventions um, and I have a friend, his name's uh, JR uh, Mounts and he does his own. You know, JR, he's a cool guy, man. He does, he's got the uh, fried pickle noir. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's all indie. He does everything himself. Um, and he makes some cool stuff, but we were talking about, um, you know, the indie artist who puts out original stuff, uh, versus the person who does like the gimmick prints, you know, and they've got the wall, of print, <laughs> the wall of prints, right, the, the fan art. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think it makes it so much harder for an indie publisher or an indie artist, um, when you've got someone who's selling, a digital print, you know, they, it might cost them two or three bucks to print per, but they're selling it for 20 bucks. And it's like a fan poster basically of, you know, whatever versus the guy like you that's out there saying, Hey, check out my comic, you know, and then someone will talk to you for like 10 or 15 minutes about your comic. And then they're like, you know, like, or you're, you know, you think you might be interested in it. And they're like, ah, I'm going to walk around a little bit and come back. Right. Yeah. I mean, fan art is the, the detriment of a comic con, you know? Um, they really have been a problem. And I mean, it's all illegal, right? No, none of that is uh, approved by Marvel. Right, exactly. So they didn't do the work, but they're building into that nostalgia. I mean, that's the biggest bait of us is trying to sell our comics, you know, to do that. And that's why bless the, the greatest thing about you talk about these multiple covers and restarts on issue one. Those are things that helps us. 
you know, at a convention, if I'm selling $5 a con, so a normal, a normal convention costs me about $200 to go to, you know, between 150 and 200 at five yeah. bucks a piece. When you factor in gas and hotel and all that, I'm probably at 500 bucks expenses. Yeah, and if I have to sell like 500 bucks, that's not going to happen per con, you know, normally that's I, not including your cost for, for just ordering right. you know, comics. You know? Yeah. That's assuming that I've already have made my money back for printing. So you're not going to make it. That's where, you know, you get a huge advantage of selling these all covers. I have a version of my comic. That's a, like kind of a sketch cover. That's black and white. I sell that for $25 a pop and I don't sell a lot of them, but I sell like three or four shows. So I make a hundred bucks. So that makes it a lot easier for me to catch up than just my $5 book. Right. And then issue one, a lot of people like it, but you know, they're like, I just met you, man, at this con. I don't know where I'm going to get issue two or any of that. I'm not going to invest in you. So the faster I can get things out to a trade, the better I'm going to be. So there's all these variables that we have to do. And like you said, we're competing against the guy who has fan art, who literally can just reprint his same thing over and over again that he drew based off of a character that he didn't create. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one of the things that bothers me um, with and, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of talented fan artists, but I think it should be like, OK, well, where's your original work? Right. You know, are are you putting out original work or are you just copying, you know, the latest Deadpool because the movie's coming out, you know? And or, I, think, I think conventions need to do a better job of moving them away from each other. So, like, the people who want to buy independent comics, that all the independent comics are in a row. So we yeah. can help sell each other. So I can sell, you know, you know, somebody else's book, like the Ruby book. So I can go, hey, if you like my book, why don't you try this book up? So we can help upsell each other. Because yeah. when we're mixed inside all the fan art, you know, some of those people are very aggressive when they want to sell too. So they're never going to come to your booth because he's yelling at everybody to come check out his Deadpool fan art or his X-Men fan art or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of strange, man. Um, because, you know, there, I've got some friends that are artists that, you know, they put out some really cool stuff. You know, they have some really cool stuff. And I, I'm totally for them selling an original print. Um, I have a friend, his name's Keith Ball. He actually does paintings. He has paintings and stuff like that. And it's original art. A lot of it's fan art, but it, he also does original art and he does like caricature art or whatever. Yeah. And I'm okay with that too, but the, the guys that I'm talking about are the ones that do like poster style stuff. Yeah. And they're not like legit, you know, like Marvel or DC artists or Dark Horse comics or, you know, like, like John Beatty, for example, he sells character based art off of characters that he actually was part of. Right. You know, he was a Marvel artist and whatever. And like I'm totally cool with that because it's like, oh wow, we, you know, I've got this guy who was part of an iconic, you know, series of, you know, the Secret Wars and all that. And having a piece of fan art from him. Right. It's totally awesome. Well you know there's a there's a balance, right? There's a balance of doing that. There's nothing wrong with fan art. Um, and especially to get your name out there, you know, um, at a table, you know, I'm be, I'm a writer, so I struggle. But if I had an artist with me, that artist, you know, no you one do. wants Come to draw a broke down. They love my comic, but they may not want a broke down character. They may want to see Thanos and they want a Thanos cover drawn and they can't right. afford a real artist. So they pay this guy because it's only going to cost them 20 versus 60 of getting, you know, an Adam Kubert one. Or, you know, so those things. Well, are- I'm totally 
cool with that. I mean, I'm totally cool with that kind of fan art. I'm just I'm talking about like the guys that do the prints yeah. for twenty bucks, you know, or two for thirty or whatever, you know. And they're just you know they're just popping them out left and right. And it kills me that you know I love the fans and all, but it kills me that they're so willing to pop out a poster, you know, twenty bucks for a poster, but they're not willing to pop out five bucks for an indie comic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, hold on, you know, how could you buy a poster that cost a guy two bucks to print? You know, he might have spent, you know, 10 hours or, or how many hours making it, but he's selling you pretty much a photocopy on a poster size. Right. And you're paying 20 bucks when you could have a, a an original, you know, piece of work that someone who is sitting here in front of you and said, I created this character. I made this character. I made, I created this universe, you know, so. I don't know. That's it. I don't want to say it's one of my pet peeves. But it's kind of one of my pet peeves. It it should be. It's it is it is a problem, especially when someone invests. You know, the amount of effort that I have to put in versus they're copying somebody an idea that they know is going to sell. I have to risk. What if nobody buys my comic? It doesn't like crime comics. That's all a risk on me. Versus knowing, oh, Deadpool was the uh, you know Avengers Endgame was the biggest selling movie of all time. If I just do posters based off of that. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is uh and 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 don't get me wrong, I mean there's a lot of knockoff stuff out there. I mean you see it all the time, but I just I'm like, come on, if it's a if it's a comic book convention, I get it, you know, but I'm okay with the guys that are actually like legit artists that were, you know, they worked on a book or they did this and they've got, you know, their own work. Right. Um but Okay, so there that, that was my little soapbox about that. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're but, uh, yeah, so you're doing are you doing you said you're doing Mega Comic Con? Um, yeah, I'm doing Mega Con. Uh, so I'll have broke down issue one there. I'll have uh, the four page for Advocator. I may have a black and white um, copy of issue two. I haven't decided yet. Um, we're still, you know, when the greatest thing about comics is, you know, when I actually see it, I can redo the lettering. So I have until I print it to do, redo the lettering. So I'm still messing with it, but I may have black and white, um, but I will be there. And I have a book, a new book called Parallels, which is a whole bunch of short stories that I've submitted to various anthologies over the years that I've okay. compiled into one, one comic book uh, that can read. That's, uh, that's going to be like, oh, what, June 8th and June 9th here in Savannah? Uh, no, Megcon's in Orlando, and it's... Uh, oh, I was getting confused with the one that's up here in Savannah. No. So Megcon is in Orlando. When is that? So that is May 16th through 18th. And it's uh, the fourth biggest convention in the world. You know, it's it's a big one. Um, so that's the next thing that I'm at, and I'm going to be doing that. And hopefully I'll be able to talk about the success of uh, Broke Down 2 and where we're at and money-wise. And I'm excited. Yeah, that's that's really awesome, Travis. Yeah. Uh, where can people check out your stuff, man? Because we're we're almost um, up with the hour, so I don't want to – usually, uh, like, my interviews I do for about an hour or so. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, BrokeDownOfFourDeadBodies.com um, is where you can get it. If you want to back the Kickstarter that's live until the 18th of, of May, um, that is on BrokeDownComics.com, and you can get issue one and two there. Um, if you just want to get the first issue, you can go ahead and BrokeDownOfFourDeadBodies.com, and I'll send it out to you immediately. Um, but definitely think about back in the Kickstarter because you get a lot of free goodies. You know, we got stickers coming up. We did air fresheners, you know, because it's a dead body's car. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we do prints and all sorts of really cool things. Yeah, so like a what, uh, what's that? What's up? 
um, a shibby, you like had a little shibby figure or whatever. Yeah, a chibi figure. So that's a sticker. So the chibi sticker is a it's a sticker that's coming. As long as we get to three thousand dollars, which we should, everybody's gonna get a chibi sticker um, with their stuff. If you're one of the first fifty backers, you get a bumper sticker that says "My car broke down in Canyon City," which is the place where uh, this this story takes place. Um, my comic is, uh, it's a four issue miniseries, but it is an ongoing. So after the four issue, there's a bunch of one shots and then there's another miniseries and it, the broke down title, it goes with it. So after broke down and four dead bodies, it's broke down and tapped out. It's a wrestling story. And then there's a, uh, a, a, a punk band one called broke down and patched out. Um, so we're, we continue broke down is the name of the, the series, but we kind of push it out there and allow people to come on whenever they want. Awesome. Do you have any um, any uh, other words or advice for uh, indie creators out there? Uh, yeah, uh, find a friend. Uh, really, find someone who you can call to and bounce off ideas off of, uh, and who's going to support you and have your back because you can't do it alone. Uh, the the biggest problem that I've seen is people try to do it alone. They don't want to take any advice and they don't move anywhere because it's only their own motivation that gets it. Nice. Hey, um, uh, I'd love to have you back on, Travis. Do you think we could do one where it just we just talk about the marketing part? Yeah. Uh, I think that is a huge opportunity for folks out there. And uh, I mean, the stuff that you shared today was really awesome. I think, you know, people could learn a lot, especially from someone who this is your job, job, like your nine to five gig. Uh, so I'd love to have you back on and, and talk about that. And um, when does your Kickstarter finish? Uh, it's May 18th is the kick, Kickstarter ends. It's birthday, so that's a great day. Yeah, so you've got you've got a little bit of time. So you know we got like 18 more days or something like that because it's the first. Um, so we've got it. So it's running through MegaCon, you know, because I'm going to try to get some some more backers at MegaCon. Um, you know, last time we ended up 4,000 with 150 backers. Right now we're at 110, and we've got 2,600. So oh, wow. we've got a little bit ways to go, but I think we can do it. Um, my last Kickstarter ended at six, six grand with 200 backers. So we'll see what happens. And last but not least on that with the Kickstarter, when, when you get six grand or four grand or whatever, um, those are the, the money that you, you're getting from that, that. That's helping for offsetting costs and things like that production, right? It's yeah, not like, yeah, my, that 2,500 is just to pay for printing. So it's yeah, I think, that's one of the things I wanted to clarify for people that are out there because there's a lot of costs associated. Like when you say you buy a thousand copies of your book, that is a huge investment. I mean, that's a lot of books, first of all, but you know, when you're getting those kind of uh, funds from Kickstarter, you know, when folks out there, they're, they're using money for production costs and things like that. It's not like they're going out, you know, having extravagant things. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that first issue, even with raising $4,300, uh, we were still out $600 is what, yeah. what it translates to. Um, because, you know, my, my art per page cost me about $140 a page when you capture in the letter, the colorist, the art. 22 pages or? twenty. It's The first issue was 32 pages of four. Yeah. Uh, issue two is a little bit shorter. It's a traditional 24. Um, so it's 24 pages of story. So, you know, every page is, uh, you know, 130 ish dollars a piece. So, I mean, it costs a lot of money to do this. And that's not paying me, Travis. I never get paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, that, that's the nice thing about being an indie. I mean, when your heart and soul is in it, you know, same for me. I'm not really doing it for the money because I'm, I'm not making any money off of it I, yet. Right. But the goal is to get it out there and, you know, say, hey, this is what I want to do and actually put it out there to the world. And I love it. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to get this finished. You know, we're already in the production for issue three, trying to move it, making sure everybody's paid, make sure everybody's taken care of. And it's people like you that help us do it. Thank you for the uh, the time to get you on the podcast. And hopefully oh, uh, some backers will want to check me out. Yeah, I really appreciate you being on today, too. And I'm glad that Beth uh, introduced us because, you know, when she was, uh, she messaged me and, and whatever, and I was like, you yeah, know, this is so cool. And, um, but I didn't want to wait. Like I said, the, the radio show's booked up. Uh, I didn't want to have to wait because I knew your, your Kickstarter was going. So I'm glad that you had a chance today. And everybody, literally, this just like got put together, you know, at what about two o'clock or so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He messaged me and said, all right, here's the link. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. Luckily, I own my own business. <laughs> That's what's about being an indie, though. Like, you could you could be nimble like that and do things on the fly, uh, you know, versus being like a traditional publisher or whatever where you have to go through a process and, you know, things have to be scheduled. And, you know, so I really, I really, uh, I'm glad that you were able to come on today, man. I appreciate it. No, yeah, and I, I would love to come back to talk about marketing, you know, and you can even pick the subject if you want it to be specifically about Kickstarter or about social media or about anything you feel is necessary. Oh, because, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things people struggle with from the different author groups that I'm in. I'm more of a lurker. I read stuff. I do contribute, but I I read a lot more than I contribute. And that is one of the things that comes up over and over and over again. They might have a great idea, but they don't know how to put it out there. And I keep saying earlier, so many people try to spam a link. They're not trying to build a relationship. They're just trying to say, like, oh, well, I put this book out. Why aren't people supporting it? Well, <laughs> because you're just so. Right. Well, and, and people need to understand that, you know, I can get support for someone to buy my book from anybody, from strangers. That's not support. That's, that's a part of support, and I appreciate that. But support is really investing in it. It's sharing it out and seeing the value in it. That's yeah. what support is. Support is not just giving me $10 to buy my book. That is support on some level, but the better support is a share. I'll take some. You cut. Someone paid that $10. You cut out there for a second, Travis. What were you saying? Um, okay, I was saying that. Hey, let me go back inside. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I, uh, uh, you were saying like you take somebody's uh, change, but. So here, so one of the things that people say about support, so they view support as dollars. So buying my book equals support. That's though that, that is true. Really, the support that you want is someone to share your book. Yeah, getting I out there. People um, not buy the book if they're not going to read it. Right. I would rather you share it. Share it out to your friends and people who are interested. Because you do. Everyone has friends of walk of life. I have people who you know watch every episode of reality TV, American Idol and all that. I will never watch those, but I know that they like it. So I would share that with them if that was something that I was doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Travis, I appreciate you being on today, man. And I'm, I'm glad that your uh, Kickstarter uh, got the funding and now you're doing your stretch goals and all. It's really awesome. So. All right. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. More time. What's the link that people can check you out? Broke down in four dead um, if you want to order the book right now on the Kickstarter, it's broke down comics. Awesome. All right, Travis. Well, I hope you have a great day, man. I'm looking forward to seeing more about your new comic coming out. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to this podcast today. Uh, you can reach me on social media. Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash author Adam Messer. Instagram, Adam Messer. Twitter, A-D-M-E-S-S-E-R. And I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have a question or if you'd like to set up an interview, let me know. Thanks a lot. Make it a great day.